This podcast was produced by Big Night Media, a proud partner of Big Night Entertainment. Hey, you know what? It's really fun to be here. Y'all know that theme music. Pierce buries it. Tatum drives down and throws it down. This is my MC. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up? How we doing, how we doing? Welcome to episode 154, episode 154 of the Banner Branch Podcast. I'm your host and favorite Boston Celtics season ticket holder, Timmy G. How's everyone doing? Hope you had a super duper weekend. You can find me on the Twitter machine at BannerBancher18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBancher Podcast. And as you know, I'm part of the Big Night Media team with some super duper podcasts like the Marky P Show, Those Girls You Know, Drinks After Work, Eat the Damn Cake, Boston Uncommon with Joe Maz. I'm the promoter. He's the DJ. Let's be clear with Kayla, Burnt Toast. It's always something with JD. Music You're Missing, A Chance to Strive, 30 Flirty and Surviving, and a new podcast called Rambling with Purpose. You can always check out Big Night Bricks if you're into sports cards. You can go to the Card Vault down at Patriot Place if you're also into sports cards. Don't forget to check out Timmy Ticket Tuesday on the Big Night Media Instagram page if you want free tickets to Big Night Live. And don't forget to go to BigNightShop.com to get your Banner Banter Podcast merchandise. Yeah, uh, happy Monday. What's going on? Um, not a lot of Celtics games to talk about this week. It's the All-Star break, the All-Star game just got over recently. The who won? Team LeBron won. Steph Curry, I'm pretty sure, hit 82 three-pointers. He won the MVP of the game. Jason Tatum scored eight points, had five assists, and four rebounds. Only played 20 minutes, which is perfectly fine by me. Get as much rest as possible. Please don't get hurt. Thanks so much. And speaking about players getting hurt, Chris Paul from the Phoenix Suns had some something fracture in his right thumb and he is going to be out six to eight weeks for the phoenix suns that is absolutely crazy that is huge news for the nba obviously the phoenix suns record wise is one of the best teams or not one of is the best team in the nba record wise obviously they went to the nba finals last year favorites to go to the nba finals again so that is big big news going out so this week we're just going to talk about the final 22 games for the boston celtics season we'll do sudden dead of the week and the five things that need to happen for this team to move up to the fourth seed for these final 22 games and how they can have home court advantage in the first round and hopefully can make a deep deep playoff run so the current state of the boston celtics currently they are 34 and 26 they're four and a half games behind the one seed which is technically owned by the miami heat miami and chicago are tied but miami owns a tiebreaker so that's that and then they're only two games behind the three the four and the five seed which are owned by the 76ers the Cavs. And the Bucks. They're only a half game up on the seventh seed, which is the Toronto Raptors, which is very important because that's the plan. We want to, we as a as a fan base, the Celtics as a team need to avoid the play-in. They need to have home court advantage in the first round, or at least be the fifth seed. Something along those lines. Currently, there are only two injuries on the team right now. One, I think, will 
be back come this Thursday, which is Robert Williams. He had a little tightness in his calf. He didn't play in the 76ers game or the Pistons game. Obviously missed in both of those games, even though the Celtics destroyed the 76ers, which we'll talk about in a little bit. But the bigger injury is Marcus Smart. He rolled his ankle in the second quarter pretty damn bad, like really, really bad in that one against the 76ers. Could barely put any weight on it. Ime Adoka said after the game that it was a pretty noticeable limp, which it, which is a little scary. Marcus is also a psycho. I'm sure he's doing an insane treatment program to rehab program to really get back. I think he can be back in like the first week of March. Uh, that would be huge and obviously important for this basketball team going forward. I mean, since he's gotten back from his injury that happened in January, 12 points a game, five assists, shooting 33% from three. He's a plus 16 on average, which is absolutely bananas. Obviously we can always talk about his defense that, you know, you just can't put it into words on how much he locks down the other team's best score. It's a huge loss for the Celtics. And, Listen, we all know I'm not the uh, biggest Marcus Smart fan in the world. I understand why people love him. I understand why people hate him. But he's been playing very, very well ever since he came back from his injury. So him being out for this short period of time is crazy. And for those of you that didn't see it last week, the Celtics beat the absolutely living shit out of the Philadelphia 76ers to get their ninth win in a row. They won 135-87, to and then they lost to the Pistons on the second night of a back-to-back and it was a home game. It was the most definite, and the game right before the All-Star break, it was the most, it was the definition of a trap game. They lost it 112 to 111. So stupid, so annoying, so dumb. Really would like to, there probably isn't a team in the NBA that didn't want to see the All-Star break more than the Boston Celtics. Obviously playing their best basketball this season and probably over the last two years, if we're going to be completely honest with you. But so the big topic tonight that I really want to focus on, I don't know why I'm saying tonight like um, I'm some like sports show host, but the big topic on today's, tonight's, this afternoon's, this morning, whatever time you're listening to it, the big topic is going to be the final 22 games. They have 22 games left. They have the 10th hardest remaining schedule with the average win percentage of the teams that they are playing a little bit over 500. The Celtics have also played 60 games this year. There's 82 games in an NBA season. There's only 22 games left, and there's only six or seven teams that have already played 60 games. All the other 22, 23 plus teams in the NBA have played 56 58, 59 games. The Clippers have played 61 games, which is absolutely insane. But this was the only way that the NBA could really get back to their normal schedule after the pandemic and stuff. So right now, the Celtics are 14 and 12 against teams over 500 this year. So we're going to break everything down and try to get in a reasonable place after that tough Pistons loss. Because the fact that there isn't a team that didn't want the All-Star break more than the Celtics, I feel like is a good sign, but it's also a bad sign too because they've lost all their juju, all their good momentum. Hopefully everyone comes back healthy. Hopefully they all missed each other. Hopefully they don't see each other in the locker room like, oh, now I got to deal with this guy again. So hopefully that's not the case. But the Celtics have 10 home games left where they are currently 20 and 11 so far this year. And they have 12 road games left where they are 14 and 15. So they're playing 14 teams with running records and eight teams with losing records or eight games left with losing records. So three of the first, so the final 22 games, the first three games are on the road and the final three games are on the road. So in the middle, the Celtics have 10 home games out of a possible 16, which is great. So 10 out of 16 games at home, but 
Six of those road games are a West Coast road trip with a back-to-back against the Warriors, the Nuggets, the Kings, and, oh, Tim, think the Thunder. So I predicted going into the season the Celtics would be 47-35, and 35, and I still got a shot at that, and I actually think they can do a little bit better. But I think they need to do better if they want to get home court. They have to win at least 49 games, maybe even 50 games to get home court, which means... They're going to have to go 13-9, and 14-8 and eight the rest of the way, which is going to be tough. So, obviously, the Celtics have the 10th hardest schedule, according to Tankathon.com, remaining. The Bucks have the hardest remaining in the NBA. Chicago Bulls, they have the second hardest. 76ers, 12th. Miami, 16th. The Cavs, 22nd. And Toronto, 24th. I don't even worry about the Brooklyn Nets because the way I look at it with the Brooklyn Nets, I feel like as long as the Brooklyn Nets are healthy come playoff time, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Hopefully it's not the Boston Celtics, but it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're going to do very well against that team because Durant healthy, Kyrie will most likely be back. The, the vaccination mandates will probably be gone in New York. Ben Simmons will probably be in the mix, and everything will be fine for them. But tiebreakers are going to be very important, and I know I've been talking about that for the last couple of weeks. But if you look, the 3-4-5 seeds are all tied, and based on the tiebreakers, the 76ers are third. Right now, the Celtics are 1-1 one one with the Brooklyn Nets with two games to play. They're 1-1 one one with the Bulls with one game to play, up 2-1 to one versus the Hornets with one game to play, up 2-1 to one with the Bucks with one game to play, 2-1 to one with the Raptors with one game to play. So, to put this into perspective, if the Celtics can beat the Nets literally two more times this year, which may be tough, then they beat the Bulls once, possible, beat the Hornets once, possible, beat the Bucks once, possible, and then beat the Raptors once, they will literally own the tiebreaker over, 16, or over seven teams in the NBA. They already own the tiebreaker versus the Cavs. They already own the tiebreaker versus the Heat, and it's even with the Philadelphia 76ers. So put that into perspective. So the Celtics start off this twenty the, these final 22 games with three games on, on the road against the Nets, the Pistons, and the Pacers. The Nets game is Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. on TNT. Durant won't be playing. I'm assuming Ben Simmons isn't going to be playing. And because the game's in New York, Kyrie Irving can't play due to New York's vaccination mandate unless that changes from now until Thursday, which I don't think it will. But this game, even though, you know, they do have... Uh, Seth Curry and Patty Mills, two of the better three-point shooting players in the league so far this year. I'm not saying of all time, just this year. Uh, we should have another 126-91 to 91 victory that they had back on February 8th. A nice way to start the post-All-Star break, get back into a good rhythm, get the young guys some minutes. But you can't do what the New York Knicks did right before the All-Star break. The New York Knicks were at home. They had a 28-point lead against this team without Durant, without Kyrie, without Ben Simmons, and they blew a 28-point lead. So these these Brooklyn Nets still have a hungry team, and they have a great coach in Steve Nash who knows what it's like, knows that you got to play a full 48 minutes of this game. But I feel like if Durant and Simmons and Kyrie and LaMarcus Aldridge don't play for this team, you have a good way of getting your defense back, getting in back into a good rhythm, and then you go play the Pistons on Saturday at 12 p.m., which, for all I know, is probably another trap game. A 12 p.m. game for the Boston Celtics on a Saturday? Ugh. It's just like a weird time. It just seems like another trap game. Like, I don't like it at all. They should be... Here's the thing. The Celtics should be rip shit how they lost the game the other night. Especially Jalen Brown. Because let me say this, everyone. Okay, this is probably going to piss off some Celtics fans, and I don't give a shit. Was everyone happy Jalen Brown scored 31 points? 
were they? Was everyone just thrilled that Jalen came out with a vengeance because he didn't make the All-Star team, even though he didn't deserve to make the All-Star team? Jared Allen deserved to be there. Jared Allen's team is in a better spot. Jared Allen has played more games this year. I swear to God, more Celtics fans are obsessed with people on their team making the All-Star game than they are the NBA Finals. I would rather see Jalen Brown not make the All-Star team extremely pissed off and take out the venge- his vengeance on the rest of the league and carry the Boston Celtics to the finals with Jason Tatum. That, to me, is more important than some fucking stupid NBA All-Star game. Like, oh, and by the way, speaking about the NBA All-Star game, was that not the worst NBA dunk contest ever? I love NBA All-Star weekend. You can ask anyone, especially my mother. Back in the day, Joe Cool would literally record on VHS tape every single NBA All-Star Saturday night for me. I love the three-point contest. I love the dunk contest. I was obsessed with it. Absolutely obsessed with it. I'm obsessed with NBA All-Star Weekend. I think it's one of the coolest things in the world. I thought it was absolutely fantastic what they did at halftime tonight, showing all 75 players in the NBA. I thought that was so cool. But holy crap. We need to just... Just because... You love Jalen Brown. I love Jalen Brown. He's smart. He's athletic. He's talented. He's a superstar in this league for sure. But it's okay that he didn't make the all-star team. You want to know why? Because the Celtics have won 9 out of 10. And that's so much more important. But Jason, I'm sorry, Jalen Brown's defense late in this game was awful. And that's the reason why the Celtics lost. He allowed one of the easiest offensive rebounds to Sadiq Bey. By the way, can we talk about Sadiq Bey again? I will keep shoving this down your throat. Aaron Neesmith, reasonable NBA player. Sadiq Bey, good NBA player. The Celtics fucking passed on Sadiq Bey when I asked and begged them to draft him. Absolutely unbelievable. But Jalen Brown's late game defense as of late needs to be a little bit better. It's not that great. It's a little concerning. And I talked about this a couple years ago, too. Jalen Brown is a fantastic first-half player. But sometimes in the second half, it just goes away. And you're like, hey, come back. Hey, Jalen. And it just goes away. And it's very annoying. And I don't like it. So, yeah, congratulations. Jalen Brown scored 31 points. Oh, my God. But they lost because of his shitty defense late in that Pistons game. But the Celtics need to come into this Pistons game pissed off, ready to go, and get an easy win. Because the Pistons are not that good. They have either the second or first or the third worst record in the league. Either way, they're a bottom three team in the league. And you should not be losing games. And that's going to be the difference between either home court advantage in the first round of the playoffs or playing in the play-in game. And I refuse to look at the schedule at the end of the year and see all the results and go, oh my god, multiple losses to the Detroit Pistons? Uh Uh-uh. No way, Jose. I'm all set with that. So after the Pistons game, they go to Indiana at 5 p.m. on Sunday. This is another back-to-back for the Celtics. This they only have 3 3 dep, 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 dep. they only have 3 remaining after this. The the Pacers are interesting and they're not going to be an easy team to beat. Yes, they've lost 11 out of the last 14 games, but they have Buddy Heald. They got him in that stupid Sacramento Kings trade, who's a great shooter. I think he's like made the third or fourth most threes in the league this year. They got Jalen Smith, one of the better young centers in the league, who has played absolutely fantastic for the Phoenix Suns, but they had to trade him for, you know, cap reasons, roster reasons, etc., etc. But most importantly, they now have Tyrese Halliburton, one of the best young guards in the league who can shoot the ball well, even though he has a very, very weird shooting form and almost makes Romeo Lankford shooting form look good. By the way, does anyone miss Romeo Lankford? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, no. Okay, that's what I thought. Like, 
Tyrese Halliburton, great defender. He can get the other guys going in his um, on his team for, with offense. He's one of the better assist guys in the league. Like You could just go on and on about how good Tyrese Halliburton could be. But this is the game where the Celtics have to win, should win, and need to win because it gets tough after this. It really and truly does. So the Celtics have a really good possibility to play a very hurt and very shitty Nets team. You automatically are playing a shitty Pistons team, even if it's a bad matchup for you, and then a meh Pacers team. But then it gets really tough. The first four games of March, Hawks, Memphis, Nets, Hornets. Now, Atlanta Hawks, they were up 15 before the Celtics went absolutely banana land on that Sunday night or that Sunday afternoon APC game two weeks ago. Or yeah, or was that last Sunday? No, that was actually last Sunday. Yeah, not yesterday, but last Sunday. So you know the Celtics were down 15, and then they went nuts in that third quarter, and that's the only reason why they won that game. They've never, they've always struggled against the Hawks, so that's not a guaranteed win. And then you have the Memphis Grizzlies, one of the better teams in the league so far. And then the Brooklyn Nets. Is Simmons going to be playing at that point? Is Kevin Durant going to be back at that point? You don't know. But three out of those four games are at home. The only road game is the Charlotte Hornets game. So you got three road games and then three home games in a row. You love it. And we know the Celtics don't match up well with the Hornets and the Hawks. The Nets, you know, like I said, might have Durant and Simmons. And then the Grizzlies, I mean, with John Morant, Brandon Clark. We get to watch Brandon Clark face up, a Grant, face up against Grant Williams. And we can prove to everyone that even though... Number 12 is playing a little bit better this year and has definitely improved. Brandon Clark still should have been the better pick. And the Grizzlies are just a lot of fun to watch. Desmond Bain was in the three-point contest. Very good. He's basically everything that I think Celtics fans want Marcus Smart to be, but probably just not as much as experience and heart. You know, big, strong guy, can defend well, shoot the lights out, etc., etc. But it's not going to be easy. Because then after that, you have the Pistons again at home. And then it's the KG retirement game against the Mavs and Luka Doncic. And every single time the Celtics play Luka Doncic, he hits some game-winning buzzer-beater shot, and it drives me absolutely nuts. But it's impossible to be mad at Luka because he's great. And that KG retirement game, all I ask for the Boston Celtics to do is to not play as poorly as they did on Paul Pierce retirement night because that was brutal, absolutely brutal. But So basically, Hawks at home. Grizzlies at home, Nets at home, Charlotte on the road, Pistons at home, Mavs at home. Not a bad stretch right there, but then they go on a four-game West Coast road trip. Warriors, Kings, Nuggets, OKC. You have to go at least 3-1 and one or 2-2 two and two at worst on that road trip. It cannot be a bad road trip because the second you get back from that West Coast road trip, you got to play the Utah Jazz, who are very, very good who killed you earlier this year, and then Minnesota Timberwolves, who actually have a winning record. They're 31-28. and 28. They're a very f- young, fun team. Carl Anthony Towns just won the three-point contest. And then you have the Raptors, which is a very, 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 very important game. And that's up in Toronto, too. And if they have fans back or not, if they do, that's a very tough place to play. But then the last six games are no joke. The Heat, that's a must-win. To help you get in the standings. You've already won the tiebreaker with them, so that's fine. You've already beat them twice this year. You're only playing them three times this year. That's fine. That's important for the standings. Pacers and Wizards, they won't care because it's so late in the season. So those two, that should be two easy wins. But the last three games, you may say, okay, it's the last three games of the year. Everyone's going to be taking a break. But it may not be. You're playing the Bulls and the Bucks on the road in back-to-back games, April 6th, April 7th. That could be for seeding. So even though you're playing so late in the season, that's not a great look. And then your last game of the season, 
against the Memphis Grizzlies in Memphis, who also might be looking for for fighting for season or season for seeding in the Western Conference. I mean, those that those are your last three games. It's not good. It's not really good. So that's why these ten out of sixteen home games that I talked about, you know, outside of the three road games after the All Star break, and then these final three games, those ten out of sixteen home games, you have to win a lot of them. Go like eight and two, nine and one. You've got to do that. So the five things that the Celtics need for me and just in general, I think, to get home court, maybe move up to that four seed or at least not play in the play in first, is you gotta beat the teams you're supposed to beat and don't lose any home games. Like Straight up, you got to beat the Pistons, you got to beat the Pacers, you got to beat the Wizards, you got to beat the Kings and the Thunder, you got to beat those type of teams, and you can't let teams take advantage of you at home. The Celtics are a very good home team this year. They, like, seriously, they really and truly are. They're 20 and 11 at home this year. You, you got to take advantage of that for sure. Number two, Jason and Jalen continue to play off of each other and continue to get better and better doing it. I feel like they've both improved. Jason has gotten so many more people involved. His shot selection is so much better this year. He's learning how to pass the ball, learning how to get other people involved. Jalen is slowly getting there, and Jalen needs to pick up the pace. And, folks, I know I've been really harsh on Jalen these last couple weeks, but if you remember starting the season, I said the most important player this season for the Boston Celtics isn't Jason Tatum because Jason Tatum's going to get his. The most important player for this Boston Celtics team is Jalen Brown. If Tatum can give you 28, 10, and 6 every night, you're good. But if Jalen Brown only can give you, you know, 26 and 1, that ain't it. So Jason and Jalen need to continue to play off each other. Number three, number 12 has to continue his three-point shooting. I know that sounds insane, and the fact that I'm even talking about number 12 is also insane and ridiculous. But if he keeps shooting at the rate that he is shooting, which is a very good percentage right now, some NBA teams might respect him and not leave him wide open in that corner, which will then open up driving lanes and easy buckets for Jalen and Jason. That is good news. And if those guys do want to slide in, Jason and Jalen can kick it out, or Marcus can kick it out, or Derek White can kick it out, or they throw a lob to Al and Rob, or Daniel Tice. By the way, welcome back to Daniel Tice. So great to see him back on the parquet. Number four, stay healthy. Simple to the point. Number four, you got to stay fucking healthy. And then finally, I know all of this sounds crazy, but the team has to stick to their basics. They can win 49, 50 games this year. They can go 15 and 7 the rest of the way. I really and truly believe that. I, I really do. But you just got to stick to the basics, stay healthy, keep number 12 shooting well, f- have your all-stars feed off of each other, and beat the teams you're supposed to beat. And I know that sounds super cheesy, super generic, but that's all this basketball team needs to do. You can't overthink anything. Because, listen, I think they'll lose to the Grizzlies once. They'll probably lose to the Hornets, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Heat, the Bulls, and the Bucks. Okay, They'll probably lose to those. So there's your seven losses right there. But they can beat the Nets twice they can beat the pistons twice the pacers twice they can beat the hawks the wiver the wizards the mavs the kings the thunder the t wolves they'll beat the grizzlies they'll split with the grizzlies and they can definitely beat the raptors so it's definitely there absolutely so those two there's 22 games left until the playoffs it's go time literally the regular season ends for the boston celtics i think april 10th so we are literally less than two months away until the playoffs it needs to happen is that it oh no we haven't done sudden dud of the week Let's end the podcast with Stud and Dud of the Week. Hit the music. And now, it is time for the Celtics Stud and the Celtics Dud of the Week. 
Okay, your stud and dud of the week for episode 154 of the Banner Banter Podcast, even though it was only two games, the stud of the week is Al Horford because he did things that we need him to do, and he looked okay doing it. Now, I understand number 12 might have deserved it. He scored a career high in points, but the Celtics lost that game, so what a waste of a performance that was. But I just need him to do more than stand in the corner. He needs to rebound more. If he's going to be one of our backup big men, he can't have three rebounds a game. That ain't going to cut it. He also needs to dish the ball more. His defense has been very solid this year. Tip of the cap to you. But he just he needs to do more offensively for me to be like really happy with him. Like run the floor. Can he catch a lob? All that stuff. So number 12, you almost had it, but no dice. But back to Al Horford, who was terrific against Joel Embiid. Didn't really get into let him get into a rhythm. Sure, he got into foul trouble early. Um, but it, it really didn't matter because Joel Embiid getting the free throw line, sure, helps the Philadelphia 76ers some way, shape, or form, but it completely slows down the game for them and helps the Celtics get in their half-court offense and the way that they came over and forced Embiid to take tough shots and make the extra pass over to Matt Tisthibel for three-pointers. That all started with Al Horford. So, And the fact that he had nine rebounds against like while Joel Embiid was on the floor was absolutely terrific. He shot 50% from three these last two games 62 percent from the field he had 19 points seven boards and seven assists against the pistons and if we can get literally 10 points seven boards and five assists from al horford every night i don't care what you think about his nba contract because that's how the nba works it's definitely worth it in my opinion i think the young guys love playing with him too and then dud of the week Peyton Pritchard. I know his minutes are limited, but this kid has to make the most of them. He has to play better on defense, too. He just has to contribute more because Brad made that trade at the trade deadline for, you know, Dennis Schroeder and Josh Richardson and letting those veteran guys go because he has a lot of hope and trust in Peyton Pritchard. But since that trade, Peyton Pritchard has shot 22% from three and 29% from the field. So Peyton needs to step up a little bit to really help this bas- this basketball team get to that next level, which is moving on up in the standings. They're only two games out of the fucking three seed. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? But that's it for episode 154 of the Banner Bencher Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we'll be back next Monday for episode 155. We're closing in on 20,000 listens. Who would have thought? Not me. And if you're into NASCAR, by the way, I also have another podcast that gets released every Wednesday with Brian Bell from 105.7 WROR and B-Pod Studios. It's called the Wicked Fast Podcast. Go check that out. But for this one, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at BannerBanter18 or on Facebook and Instagram at BannerBanterPodcast. Don't forget to subscribe, like, leave a comment, all that good stuff. Thanks so much for listening as always. We'll talk soon. Toodles and noodles. X's and O's. Bye-bye. Sorry, but I'm gone. I'm history. And I dedicated my life to the Boston Celtics. I dedicated my life to the fans of Boston. I did my very best to please each and every one of you. Good night.